Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And this week on Screen Verdict, we're going to be reviewing The Hobbit. Part one, An Unexpected Journey. <laughs> Thank you for completing the noticeably long title there for me, Matt. Yeah, well, we don't want people to think this is the podcast on the second or third parts of the movie. <laughs> we are industry insiders, but we haven't got the tapes yet, just yet, for the uh, yeah. second and third instalments. We're still yeah. awaiting them in the mail. Yeah. So, Matt, apparently this is a prequel. Sort of. Well, yes, I guess it sort of is. Because um, this uh, takes place before the Lord of the Rings movies. Were you a fan of the Lord of the Rings series? I did like the Lord of the Rings series. I thought the Fellowship of the Ring was an amazing film. I thought it was just, like, incredible, a great adventure, a great story, good characters, everything like that. I thought Two Towers was a bit of a step down, but still really enjoyable and really good. And then Return of the King was a bit better than Two Towers. It was better than Two Towers, not as good as The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, but but still pretty uh, pretty good. Like, I thought it was a great trilogy, one of the great film trilogies. Had you read the Lord of the Rings books? I had read the Lord of the Rings books, and I loved... Uh, I, I'm not a big reader. I'm not big on reading, but... And, and this is why I said it was, like, sort of a prequel, because The Hobbit, the book, was written before the Lord of the Rings books. So it's not like they came up with the Hobbit story after they'd done Lord of the Rings. So, yeah. And I loved the, I thought The Hobbit was a great book. I really loved it. And then I started reading Lord of the Rings before the movies came out. I thought, that'd be cool. And I, I loved the Lord of the Rings books even more. It was <laughs> so good. It's like the best like books I've ever read, the best stories. It just had so much, like... It just immersed you in the adventure and the journey and you just were like going along with these characters and it was just so exciting and huge stakes, epic stakes and good twists and I thought the ending was was incredible. It's, yeah, just love the Lord of the Rings books. Well, I didn't read the Lord of the Rings books. I saw the three films and I quite liked all of them. I thought they were all pretty entertaining, worth watching Except maybe The Return of the King. I just remember the last half an hour of that film being so boring. I hated the end of that film. I thought it was dragged on so much. I couldn't stand it. On The Return of the King, uh, Billy Crystal made a joke at the Oscars. He said they got 11 nominations, one for each ending. <laughs> Every time you thought the film was done, a little more. Yeah. A little more. <laughs> yeah, the... um. But that one, The Lord of the Rings Return of the King, the last one in that trilogy, won 11 Oscars, equal record. Yeah, a little bit of a black mark on yeah. the Academy Awards <laughs> there, in my opinion. It's probably the highest grossing and best-reviewed like, film to have like, <laughs> won the Best Picture Oscar of the past like 10 years. But anyway, um, I, and a lot of people said that was an acknowledgement for the whole trilogy in some ways. Now, I have read The Hobbit. Oh, okay, cool. Although that was when I was about 12. I think we had to do it for school. Mm. So I guess my expectations for The Hobbit were being drawn more from the Lord of the Rings series than the book I read so long ago. Yeah. So I guess I was interested in The Hobbit, but didn't have as much at stake as the huge Tolkien fans that I know are out there. Like myself. Yeah. Uh, So you must have been just uh, chomping at the bit. Uh, Your appetite must have been uh, whetted. (laughs) <laughs> uh, when you heard that they decided to divide The Hobbit 
into three films. So they get as much detail and as much story in this film as possible. Well, yes, as I said, I love the length of The Return of the King. Yeah. The Hobbit, only one book, much shorter than any of the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. Makes sense that they would need another three three-hour movies to do it. Yeah. Mm. Or does it? Does that make sense, Matt? Well, here's, here's my conflict. Why, on one hand, in Lord of the Rings, there was stuff they left out of it. <laughs> there is some good things they left out of Lord of the Rings. There's like a scene in the Fellowship where everyone gets attacked by wolves and they fight the wolves and that's pretty fun. And I know you didn't like the all the endings to... Uh, <laughs> to uh, Lord of the Rings, but they probably left out the best ending um, <laughs> when they get back to Hobbiton. So part of me was a bit like, oh, this is good. And I think we've seen on Game of Thrones how good it can be to, like, hey, rather than, like, do Game of Thrones book one in a three-hour movie, let's do it in a um, nine-hour HBO show. So part of me thought it could be good, but it is a pretty short book. I think they probably could have done it in one film. <laughs> so I was a bit... And I, especially when the reviews started coming out and the word self-indulgent was bandied around a lot, I got pretty worried. <laughs> well, let's get into the film. The Hobbit. What's his premise? What kicks us off? We've got old man Bilbo writing Frodo, the story of The Hobbit. Now, the one thing I found a bit weird about this was that in his story he goes, this story starts in a hobbit hole. Now, a hobbit hole isn't like a dirty, wet, stinky hole. It's a nice hole, like a home. Yeah, Frodo knows this. (laughs) He's been living with you, like, in the said hobbit hole. A hobbit knows what a hobbit hole is. He doesn't need it explained by you, Bilbo. Yeah, I thought that was very strange. I thought this must have been like the opening line from the book and they wanted the the fans of the book to have the same opening line. But it didn't make any sense because that's being explained to us humans reading the book that don't know about hobbits yet. Yeah. Frodo knows about hobbits. He's a hobbit. Yeah. So I thought that was very weird. But anyway, so so he tells a story and the story um, pretty much starts with a young Bilbo played by Martin Freeman who you might know as Tim from the UK office Mm. or the guy from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy (laughs) and Gandalf rocks up. Wizard Gandalf. Hey, do you remember me, Bilbo? But it's like, uh, was it at a party? I can't quite remember. You go, from the, when you were a kid, I did the firework. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, old man Gandalf. (laughs) What, you trying to sell me more fireworks, buddy? Come on. He's like, no, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. And what's Bilbo's response? Oh no, there'll be none of that around here. Yeah. Those adventures cause nothing but trouble. Yeah. Now, I, watching this, thought, if someone asks you on an adventure, <laughs> you always say yes. <laughs> you always say yes to the adventure. Do you agree with me? I suppose in real life there might be risks to going on adventures. Some of these stories involve people dying, and although it's exciting to hear about or watch the adventures, you might not necessarily want to be the person having the adventure yourself. I think in terms of characters in movies, they should be saying yes to the adventure right away because we know you're going to say yes 
eventually. So why waste an hour of our time saying, no, I'm not going to go on the adventure, no, I'm not going to go on the adventure, when you go on the adventure an hour into the movie? See, I disagree with you a little bit on real life versus movies. <laughs> I feel like in this movie there are dragons, there are orcs, there are goblins, <laughs> and there are trolls. It's a lot more dangerous. If someone asks me on an adventure in real life, I'm probably not going to encounter any of these things. <laughs> probably just going to have a fun time. So I think I think in movies you definitely say yes, but I'd say in real life you say yes even more. <laughs> Never turn down... There's my tip. Never turn down an adventure. Someone asks you on an adventure, say yes. Unless they're a creep or something. (laughs) I'm just going to come up with something really dangerous and invite you to come with. (laughs) So anyway, he says no. Gandalf goes off. And then that night, all these, like, dwarves rock up and just, like, cause a mess in Bilbo's house. Which is pretty funny, because Bilbo does not like this. Was it? Was it funny? How long was it funny for? Was it funny for the first two minutes? Was it funny for the first five minutes? Maybe ten. How about 15 minutes? Was it still funny then? Okay, it dragged on a bit, for sure. This was a montage. Basically, you have a bunch of dwarves rock up. Bilbo's not expecting them. It's like, whoa, this is out of my comfort zone. And they eat all his food and they make a mess. That should have been a two to three minute scene. It goes for 20 minutes. 20 minutes of dwarves just burping and singing and being obnoxious. Yeah. Outrageous. Just, it was absolutely absurd. But it's sort of funny, a guy who likes his house nice and clean, having people mess it up. That's always funny. Still funny at 20 minutes? Maybe not, okay? So, <laughs> anyway, Gandalf rocks up to sort of a... He doesn't really help the situation in terms of, like, the house. So Gandalf uh, comes in, he talks to Bilbo. They need a 14th person for their team. They need a burglar because a dragon stole all their gold and they want to get it back. Is that pretty much the premise? Is that pretty much? And like the the doors would be like, why are you getting a hobbit? We don't want a hobbit. We want like someone who's good. And Gandalf's like, you said that I could choose the 14th person. I found it very strange how much attitude the dwarves had towards Bilbo calling him a half man and things like that. Like, you're a dwarf. You're the same height. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you might have a better beard, but you're certainly not winning the height contest. Why so judgmental? Yeah. No, that's a good point. So anyway, they they need the burglar. Now, I I think I know who would have been the best person to be the 14th person. If they'd asked me to choose someone, I know who I would have chosen. The Asian gymnast from Ocean's Eleven? No. I would have gone to the east... And found Daenerys Targaryen, and then she could really like negotiate with the dragon for some of the gold. <laughs> then she can get that dragon. It can help her get the Iron Throne. You get the gold, and can like rule Middle Earth or whatever. Like it's a win-win-win. If only someone would tell Daenerys about this dragon. Yeah. So anyway, Bilbo uh, decides to go. Yeah, for no reason at all. Well, he he resists this for like an hour, and then you think, oh, there has to be something that turns him around. He just wakes up in the morning and everyone's gone. He's like, oh, you know what? That that, uh, that does sound like a good idea going on the adventure. I'll go. Well, they cleaned up his house for him. And they thought, oh, these are nicer guys than I gave him credit for. (laughs) So now they've wasted an hour of my time. What happens next, Matt? Well, he joins up with the crew. 
and they uh, go along and Gandalf sort of uh, talks with them and sort of just on horses and things. Probably a bit of a fun adventure so far. They're just riding along on horses. Um, but at some point they come across some trolls. Big, gross, stupid trolls. Yeah. Which are stealing their horses and ponies. Yeah. So they send Bilbo, the burglar, the burglar. to go steal them back. And it looks like he's being quite sneaky. It looks like Bilbo's going to be able to prove his worth. But he gets caught. And then all the other guys run in to help Bilbo. So that was nice. You go, oh, I guess they like Bilbo enough to try and save him from the trolls rather than yeah. just letting him get eaten. Yeah. But that didn't pan out too well. The trolls sort of win the battle and they tie up all the hmm. dwarves and things and they're going to eat them. Oh, no. And I guess Bilbo just talks nonsense to the trolls, just buys time. Yes, they sort of hint, like, they sort of go, oh, we've got to quickly get back in before dawn. We'd hate to be out here at dawn. Mm. And Bilbo goes, oh, they don't want to be here out here for dawn. Let's just keep them out here for dawn and see what goes down. And he says, you don't want to eat them. They're full of parasites. And the dwarves, how could you not realise what Bilbo was doing? You're about to get eaten. And they're like, no, we don't have parasites. Yeah. And Bill just like, are you an idiot? And they're like, oh, actually, yes, yes, I'm riddled with parasites. Please don't eat me. Yeah. It was beyond idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> and they worried about Bilbo being on the team. <laughs> so anyway, that pans out as it does. I yeah. just found that whole scene really frustrating. Mm. Then uh, we've got a bit of the film which sort of goes away from this group. Like Gandalf, they're asking Gandalf, oh, hey, Gandalf, are there any other wizards or are you like the only wizards? He's like, nah, there's five of us. There's a couple of blue ones. Don't know their name. There's Saruman, the white guy, and there's Radagast, the brown guy. They're like, oh, this Radagast guy. Like, what's his story? He goes, oh, well, he likes animals. Like, I guess he's okay. <laughs> and like, but it's like, oh, is he a real, is he like, is he a powerful wizard or is he like you? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's sort of powerful. And then it gets cuts to Radagast, and we see about a good 15 minutes with him. 15, 20 minutes of Radagast. So he's, like, in the woods, and there's a sick hedgehog, and he, like, helps the hedgehog out. Yeah, I kind of like this guy. Some of it was a bit silly. It was a bit slapstick, but I sort of like this crazy wizard that was eating mushrooms and was trying to help animals. And then there was some things about him seeing yeah, maybe people necromancers, I think they called yeah. them. Like, people that were were dead, but were uh, mm. doing things in the world. It was He it, uncovers some stuff. So I thought it was a little bit separate from the main story, but it was something a bit different. I, I liked him. Yeah, I thought it was good. There's one thing, when I was reading Lord of the Rings, I was watching Lord of the Rings, I was reading The Hobbit, the thing that interested me most was the wizards. These sort of five people who are sort of the guardians of Middle-earth. It's sort of their responsibility to keep the magic in check and be the forces for good on Middle-earth. So I actually quite enjoyed, uh, and apparently a lot of that they made up for the movie, uh, those sort of scenes. Uh, the, the stuff about necromancers is part of Tolkien um, mythology, but the stuff about him saving the hedgehog and stuff. But I quite like getting to know another one of the wizards. And as well as crazy wizards, we have some orcs in the story. Yes. Now, not only do they play a role in the time in which The Hobbit is set, they also play a role in a bit of a backstory, which mm. we get in the film, yeah. about the dwarves and the dwarves' kingdom that they had. And there's this character of Thorin. Mm. And he has a bit of a battle with this huge pale orc. Yeah. 
And in a way, he's a bit of the bad guy for the film. Yes. Thorin cut off the arm of this orc and just assumed he had died. Don't know why they're cutting off a character's arm. It's the Walking Dead rule, man. <laughs> if you don't see someone die, they haven't died. <laughs> so he cut off his arm. So this guy returns with like a hook on his arm, a bit of a captain hook. This character, I think, was added by the Peter Jackson or whoever. I thought it was just a little bit too, we're making a villain for the film. I can see that, but I think the film needed a villain. I thought nothing was going on in the film, and the only points that I had really liked up until then was these backstory flashbacks. I thought this story of the old Dwarf Kingdom and this villain of the big pale orc, I found that interesting. I thought that was a cool sort of flashback battle scene. So I was kind of interested in him back when we joined the gang. I know it seems a little bit manufactured, but I felt like the film needed to manufacture something to happen. Yeah, I, I just would have like made the film a bit shorter and got rid of this. Like, I don't know. Like it was fun. I think it's they overplayed him a bit too much as this big villain who has this sort of big grudge against Thorin. Like I don't know. It just it was a bit like to uh, like it's a film about an adventure. It's an adventure to a dragon to steal treasure. It's not a film about a rivalry between a dwarf and an orc. I actually liked him so much. I would want him to win in a battle versus Thorin. I hated Thorin so much. I would go as far as to say Thorin is possibly the worst character I have ever seen in a film. That's I didn't particularly like. Everything he said was either factually wrong or just rude to Bilbo or ignorant or boring. I was like, man, I hope he gets in a showdown with that pale orc and he gets his face chopped off. Okay. Well, I didn't particularly like Thorin. It's not like, <laughs> I love Thorin. Why have they put a villain in for him? <laughs> but surely putting this villain in means you see more of Thorin. Not unless he kills him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, they have an encounter with the orcs and they escape to Rivendell. Where... Brett from Flight of the Concords hangs out. Oh, yes, Brett from Flight of the Concords popping in. <laughs> Sing some songs on the guitar for the elves. Yeah. In the downtime. Yeah, well, he should have. He may have picked up another Oscar for <laughs> <laughs> one for the Muppets last year. <laughs> so they get to Rivendell, which you might remember from Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, another place where they sort of escape to to uh, sort some stuff out. And this is good because the uh, elves can help them read the map. I thought it was just insane when they said, this has been written on this paper and in order to read it, it needs you need to have the moonlight of the same moon that the map was originally written on. It's magic. It's like no a way. magical map. It's a fantasy thing. Yeah, I'm not complaining about magic and oh. moonlight and oh, stuff okay. in order to be written. I'm saying... They go, oh, it just happens to be the same day, the same moonlight as when the paper was written. Let's go read it now. There is a 1 in 365 chance that it was the same day. When we were watching that, I turned to the person I was sitting next to, and I said to her, what a coincidence. (laughs) How well has this turned out? They couldn't have planned it better themselves. (laughs) And then there's a meeting. 
a bit of a boardroom meeting between characters from Lord of the Rings all meeting up. So you have Christopher Lee as Saruman, Gandalf as the Grey, Kate Blanchett as uh, Galadriel, I think it is, and um, Hugo Weaving as Elrond. As they all rock up and have a meeting together, which is sort of uh, cool. When when they revealed that Galadriel was there, I was like, oh, it's Kate Blanchett! <laughs> I was like, <gasps> indifference. <laughs> it's Kate Blanchett, man. She's a moment. <laughs> what do you think of this meeting that they had? There are a few different opinions as to what they should do. I thought it was just dumb. They were like, oh, everything's fine. There's not been war in a long time. Gandalf, what are you worrying about? And Gandalf's like, here's some sort of irrefutable evidence that something's about to go down. And they're like, nah, nah, nothing's going down. Yeah. Um, I like how halfway through the meeting... He sees he's not, like, winning with Saruman and Saruman. Saruman, what an old crank this Saruman. <laughs> stop hanging out with these hobbits. Stop hanging out with these dwarves. They're bad influence on you. Um, who cares about an adventure to get... Don't don't go see the dragon. It sounds like too much of an adventure. Gandalf, just go walking around, making fireworks. Like, what a crank. Anyway, so Gandalf's not winning him over. So he just starts, like stops listening to Sarah Mann and starts, like, telepathically talking with Kate Blanchett, and they, like, have a full discussion <laughs> while, like, Elrod and Sarah Mann are trying to, like, talk to him. <laughs> anyway, while this is all going down, the dwarves and Bilbo just leave. They, like, get... <laughs> they're just, like, ah, they're talking. They might say we can't go on our mission. Let's just do it. Gandalf can catch up with us later, which is uh, probably good, because it sounds like the elves wouldn't have let them leave. Then the mountains turn into, like, people. Yeah, these big sort of creatures that look kind of like men, like, it looked like they sort of had two arms and two legs made out of mountain rocks, just start throwing (laughs) mountain rocks at each other. Mm. I thought that's very strange. Are they picking bits off each other? Or, like, imagine if you and me were fighting just with human flesh, just throwing flesh at each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I thought, how does this work? I was just excited enough before the mountains turned into rocks because they were walking along a very narrow, like, ledge. And even that's quite exciting, like, to see, like, ooh, one... I think Bilbo already had sort of fallen and they needed to pick him up anyway. Like, partly when it turned... Is this your complaint with Lord of the Rings? It was too exciting. (laughs) There was too much going on. (laughs) So they're all, like, they get into a cave and they're spending a night in a cave, uh, which... I'm hoping this cave isn't like a orifice of one of the like rock people. <laughs> like it, I guess it could be like there must be a way they make little rock people right? like, <laughs> for a big thing of rock to come on in <laughs> during the night. Uh, but anyway, so some holes open up, they all fall through them, and they're in a goblin kingdom. What are golems? To me, they look really similar to orcs, except they're just really crappy versions of orcs. They sort of look the same, and they're sort of bad guys, but they're just way less scary and effective than orcs. So they are actually, Jonathan, a type of orc, right? But they they live in the caves of the Misty Mountains. So it's sort of like, I guess, like a geographical thing, and I think goblin is sort of the English translation of the word orc. So they're living under these mountains, they're not getting enough sunlight, they're not getting their vitamin D, they're lacking exercise. This is why they're less imposing than the other rocks. Yeah, I think so. So they're just, <laughs> if you 
come to our home, we're going to, like, kill you, but we're not going to go out and steal your gold, I guess. (laughs) So anyway, for some reason they don't grab Bilbo. The key to getting away from goblins is just duck. They carry everyone else away, but he just sort of falls onto his hands and knees and they miss him. Well, as Gandalf pointed out, Jonathan... Hobbits are very sneaky and hard to hear. They, that's why he was the perfect burglar. Look how he went unnoticed from all those goblins. So anyway, Bilbo just... I think, he does he fall? Yeah, he just falls down in between some rocks and ends up, I guess, near the bottom of the cave. And he finds a character I remember from Lord of the Rings. Mmm. My precious, my precious... <laughs> Gollum, Andor Smeagol. Yes. This was by far the best scene in the film. It's it's a pretty good scene in the book too. Gollum is just a really weird, interesting, funny character. He's kind of creepy, but you like him at the same time. And they have this game of riddles. Yes. It's a really good scene. How did you go at guessing the riddles? I think I got all of them except for the egg one, and then when I heard that, I was like, I should have got that one. I'm pretty sure I've heard that one before. Yeah, you did, when you read The Hobbit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was really good at the last riddle. I, like, nailed that. I got the last one instantly. Yeah. And it was a bit annoying how it took Bilbo so long, but then it was pretty funny. He goes, oh, that was a pretty easy one, actually. Oh, that, I know, I meant the one of what's in Bilbo's pocket. (laughs) <laughs> I nailed that one. Yeah. <laughs> if only Gollum had seen the footage of what <laughs> <laughs> was in his pocket. Yeah, so that was a good scene. And then uh, then I think another pretty good scene, Gandalf rocks up to uh, save the dwarves. And that's pretty awesome, like, fight scene. I kind of like that. I just thought it was a bit weird that Gandalf seems to have these powers as a wizard... And he'd do this one really cool thing, which you think would just be able to smash everyone and win the fight. But then he spends the rest of the time just running away and having to hop from thing to thing and punching people. And I was like, why don't you just use your cool power again? It's the problem you have with Harry Potter, isn't it? Um, <laughs> do you think his his wizard stick needs charging? It's like a video game when you've used your thing... Um, and you got to wait, like, a few seconds for it to, like, charge back up again. Could that be it, maybe? It could be. But then we could have used the line, Damn, my staff's still charging. <laughs> that would have broken the tone. <laughs> be funny if, like, one of the doors had gone, Gandalf, just do that thing again. It's like, I can, can, I, like, I can only do it once every, like, half hour, guys. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I love it when Gandalf gets into a bit of the action. Like, because he's usually just such a, like, he sits back, he gives his wise advice. It's sort of nice when he comes out and starts, like, fighting. Then there's another bit of a showdown at the end. My problem with these fight scenes, battles, showdowns, whatever you want to call them, is I didn't really have much of an investment in the outcome. Mm. Because the story of The Hobbit, there's only a third of a book story, so there isn't really a story. It's just get from point A to point B. Normally when you have these fight scenes or whatever, if they win, they save the princess or they find the treasure or something interesting happens. Here, it's just like, okay, now we've avoided these guys again. Let's just keep walking. It's an adventure movie. It's all about going from point A to point B. 
Just enjoy the journey, man. Just enjoy the journey that they're all on. Things happen, but there's not much depth to them. Each of these scenes should have lasted five minutes, but they lasted 20 minutes. Mm. So if you wanted to read before seeing the movie, (laughs) but you only wanted to read the stuff that's going to be in the movie, we checked on Amazon. It's apparently a 320-page book, right? So divide that by three... And that's so you've got 106, 107 pages to read, um, roughly. Now, let's see. Yeah, you've got about on page 68, the riddles in the dark chapter. Then on page 91, out of the frying pan and into the fire. So, yeah, I'm thinking. They do say that in the book. At the beginning yeah. of the movie, that was actually something that really annoyed me. Someone said, out of the frying pan. And I thought, that's an okay line, it's this common expression, and it's sort of a given what that means. But then someone felt the need to finish the sentence by going, and into the fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that happens in real life. Don't you know that, like, people will say stuff like those half sayings, and there'll always be the douche that feels like they have to, like, let everyone know they also know the (laughs) same. Anyway, um, so I think about chapter uh, six is the chapter that the book ends on. That's sort of near the end of the movie, the out of the frying pan bit. Very excited for the next movie. Uh, The next chapter in the book is called Queer Lodgings. (laughs) We'll see uh, who who gets the queer lodgings. (laughs) What does that even mean? Well, we'll find out in the next I would say it means, like, a strange place to stay. That's my guess. I think that's right. Yeah. I didn't say anything different. Get your mind out. So. <laughs> there was one other thing I just wanted to briefly mention. Radagast. W- Radagast <laughs> rabbit sled. You know, that was pretty cool. <laughs> little rabbit sled. What it was, was the high frame rate. Oh, yes. In which this film was supposedly filmed. A standard film is shot in... 24 frames per second. So when you're watching a film, there is 24 stills which are played Mm. each second. Yeah, and if you're looking at a photograph, that is one frame per second. Now, this was shot in 48 frames per second. And sometimes you think with these technical things, you don't really notice the difference. I noticed quite a big difference in this film. I think there were pros and cons to it, and I don't quite have the technical understanding to explain why this might have been, but the pro was I thought the 3D worked really well. Normally I don't like 3D that much. If I have the choice, I see things in 2D, but I saw this in 3D, and I thought it looked more realistic, was more engaging. But the thing about 48 frames per second is it's a little unnatural. It's a bit hard to describe, but it looks in a way like things have been filmed at half speed, and then fast-forwarded at double speed. So when you move your hand really quickly, it should appear blurry. Imagine looking at a hand just waving back and forth at a fast speed, but it not being blurry. Okay. It was quite Mm off-putting. I don't think I saw it in 48 frames a second. I was going to, like, say on the podcast, like, Oh, man, I saw it, and man, like, you couldn't even tell the difference. <laughs> and, like, if you could, it was worse. Um, but but I probably just saw it in regular. <laughs> so there you go. Check with your cinema to see whether they're playing it in the 3D HFR they referred to it as. Ooh. So now's the time for our screen verdict. Yes. 
The Hobbit, I thought, uh, I was a bit sceptical going in. I thought it might be a bit long. And it was a bit long. <laughs> but I actually enjoyed this film. I thought, I, lo- I love an adventure. I love a good adventure. It's great seeing Bilbo go on this adventure. I think there were a lot of fun things. I wasn't looking at my watch much during the film. I was just enjoying the ride. Is it a bit drawn out? Yes. I think they could have trimmed like 30 minutes to an hour off this film quite easily. Um, I think some things that I was enjoying just went on longer than they had to. Uh, So that's a shame. I think sort of on the flip side of that, I would have liked maybe at the beginning, maybe a bit more buff, like less time on the dwarves messing up Bilbo's house and a bit more time of like Bilbo, maybe a couple of other hobbits like hanging out, just get a sense of like Bilbo's life before this adventure came so we were a bit more invested in in him before he decided to go on the adventure. Uh, I, but I thought it was great. I thought Ian McKellen did an outstanding job as Gandalf again. It was great to see him back. I just thought, you know, he had great lines. He um, had a great quarter of the film. And I, I just really... I thought I was going to be disappointed by this film, and I wasn't. I just enjoyed the adventure and enjoyed the ride. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. An 8 out of 10! An 8 out of 10! I enjoyed it. Wow. It stayed fairly... It, wow. it stayed true to the book that I loved. It it kept going. It was fun. Except it kept adding battles and creating characters. It was not really that true to the book. It, uh, most of the... No, most of the battles were in the book. Okay. Here are the things I liked about The Hobbit. I thought the Pale Orc was a kind of good villain... I thought some of the Radagast scenes were interesting. Ian McKellen gave a good performance as Gandalf. And some of Martin Freeman's jokes, his comedic timing was sort of funny. I'm not saying these with much enthusiasm. I think the only thing I genuinely really liked was the Golem scene. Okay. Other than that, this film was way too long. Now, sometimes we say this on the podcast. We say... You could have trimmed about 30 minutes from this film. You could have trimmed two-thirds of this film. Mm-hmm. I'm being quite literal when I say every single 20-minute scene felt like it should have been a five-minute scene. It was absurd how stretched out this film was. The first hour was unbearably tedious. It was awful. Thorin is the worst character I've ever seen in a film. I wanted to murder that guy. I couldn't stand any time he was on screen. There is no story. It's just going from A to B. They don't even get to B by the end of the movie. Nothing happens. I just didn't care about this film at all. I really did not like this film. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of ten. And I feel like that's being generous. Three and a half, man. I feel that's a generous three and a half. Oh, Your man. eight is absurd. If you're a huge fan of The Hobbit, you're going to go see it anyway. If you're not, avoid it. Avoid this film at all costs. I'd read the book first. I only read it when I was 12, so I don't put a lot of stake in this opinion, but I think I quite like the book. Yeah, I think if you don't like the book, you're not going to like the movie. So maybe read the book. Well, there you go. That's the, I think that's the most divided we've been on something in a while. Yeah. So after that crazy verdict, do we have anything crazy in housekeeping, Matt? Well, we have our competition, which in our last podcast we said we would announce the winner of... We got a few complaints that we didn't have a due date to enter the competition. 
So we decided to listen to the fans. There's also a bit of a time issue with like us posting the last podcast yesterday and recording this one today <laughs> uh, that, that has, has led to a bit of a... The, the, the time time continuum in podcasting is not always the same as real life. So <laughs> due to those factors, we decided we will set a definitive date you need your entries in, and that date is going to be the 8th. Let's say 11.59 on the 8th. Um, and what you need to do... Talk up, scream, vert. I think just sharing it on your Facebook wall is probably not enough. Talk to your friends about it. Steal their phones and just get them a like, scream, verdict. Whoever gets the most likes, the most friends to like, scream, verdict, get a Pixar DVD or Blu-ray of their choice. Yeah, Pixar film on Blu-ray. I think that's a pretty good prize, so I think it's worth putting in some effort. If you like, scream, verdict, say, check out this... Film and TV review podcast. If you like it, I have the chance to win this awesome prize. Yeah, tell people like you've got to like Screen Verdict, man. Like it. It's it's good. It's got you got good podcasts and stuff. If that's your opinion, if you don't like Screen Verdict, then don't say Screen Verdict's the best thing and share it around. But it's you good. should. Well, wait. But if they want a DVD or Blu-ray, they can't say it's rubbish. <laughs> like that's not going to get people liking it. Well, I don't know if we want to be giving DVDs or Blu-rays to people that think the podcast is rubbish. I think they get a lot of people to like our podcast. They don't really care what their opinion is on it. No, no, no. Of course, of course, uh, be honest. And just send us a list of all the people you got to like Screen Verdict. We will cross-check that against the people who have liked Screen Verdict in the past month or two. And you uh, will, uh, the person who has the most will win a Pixar DVD or Blu-ray. Too easy. Well, that's another Screen Verdict podcast wrapped up. Yes. We hope you enjoyed that. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.